again to Dark Discussions Podcast or the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Review Podcast. Either way, it'll be on the Dark Discussions News Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Good. Excellent. And in the province of Alberta, Canada? Hey, everybody. It's Sean, and hope you're all doing well. Indeed, indeed. And uh, tonight, uh, we actually have a, a special uh, episode uh we uh, reviewed a film uh, a couple of weeks ago called uh, Follow Her. It's a brand new film that uh, came out within the past couple of months uh, and is available on VOD. And uh, we, we posted up on Twitter and uh, we linked our, our episode to folks on Twitter and uh, they found it and they uh, listened to it. And so uh, I, I basically extended an offer to see if anybody that was part of the film would want to join us for an interview, you know, talk about the film, and uh, we do have two guests tonight, uh, so I guess we could start with uh, the writer and star. Uh, who are you, and uh, give us a little background of yourself. Sure. This is Danny Barker, and I'm, so I'm actually in Vancouver, Canada, not too far from you, Sean. Not that far yet. <laughs> nope. And, yeah, I wrote Follow Her. Sylvia came in very early in the process and helped develop the story and the script. And then we've spent the last five years together making this movie, <laughs> now putting it out to the world. It's been uh, it's been a journey. It actually, it doesn't surprise me that you're most likely Canadian, Danny, because uh, I have seen and I do have on Blu-ray Scarehouse, and oh, that nice. was a Canadian. Yeah, 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 I knew that. That was a good film, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and I knew that was a Canadian film. So, uh, yeah, yes. very cool. Yeah, Gavin Booth's movie. That was a lot of fun to be part of. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, people should check <laughs> that one out. Uh, and now we also have uh, the director of the film. Uh, why don't you let us know stuff about you? Yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. First off, for wa- finding the film, watching it, and inviting us on. So, yeah, I'm Sylvia Kaminer, and I directed and produced the film. And yeah, I've been in the business for a while. And- done a lot of like non-scripted documentary features and some travel shows and produced gosh probably like 15 indie films and this is my first feature length narrative film as a director so like Danny said yeah we hooked up five or so years ago and it's been a great collaboration and Mm -hmm. here we are the film just came out June 2nd. Yeah there we go yeah and I'll tell you one thing uh the the way we found out about it was uh Apple um, their their movies site, you know, where they, you can buy and rent films. Uh, it was actually in the list of the the top forty five films or something. That, so it was right there. And and uh, mm-hmm. I must say the the poster for the film was pretty awesome too. So so that's what caught our attention. And and then uh, you guys, we had pretty good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and various other websites. So we decided to hey, let's just take a flyer. Fingers crossed. Going blind and. Uh, 
Yeah, we, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sure is. And yeah. and uh, yeah, we we felt it was a, a hidden gem, and uh, so we we wanted to uh, talk about it. And uh, yeah, it was, it's always good to talk about it a second time with people who uh, worked on the film and made it and so forth. So. So you guys actually, I this this is Danny speaking. I have my Google alerts set up for follow her, so I get alerted of anything. If Sylvia, if Sylvia and I are involved in any follow her discussions. And so your podcast came up when you were reviewing it. And I rarely listen to full podcasts because of, I don't know, call it ADHD, whatever. <laughs> I listen to almost the whole thing of you guys talking about it because so rarely do people just find it blind like that. And to listen to you coming in without any background, without any connection to us whatsoever was really cool to to listen to you breaking it down. So I had a lot of fun actually listening to the previous uh, episode about it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That that is great. Great. Uh, because I know a lot of a lot of filmmakers and actors and 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 actresses and and producers and whatnot are always interested, especially if it's an indie film. Uh, if people can find it, and when they do find it, how many people will talk about it? Because again, if if it's a quote unquote hidden gem rather than a mainstream gem, um, yeah, it's it's it may be kind of surprising, I guess, when when someone like us just find it and, and start talking about it. And, and we've had that happen a couple other times with uh, a guy, that, an actor called Dan Lynch, who comes on uh, our podcast as a guest host every so often now, too, uh, for a film that he had done. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I'll just say quickly, I got the Twitter alert. And I remember I saw it, the post. I was like, "Oh God, what if they, what if they hated it?" And I was literally, I was like, oh, oh. "I was like frozen because I was like, well, I, I can't share it. What if they hated it?" So, so then you guys came on, and I think there were four of you that were. Yes, it. yeah. Mike yeah. unfortunately has to a prior yeah. engagement with his wife. No, tonight, no so problem. But I'm like, "Oh my God, four dudes who normally watch real horror." have to all like this movie or at least most of them so I'll, i was like counting it down i was like okay first guy okay we got one and then we got two. <laughs> holy shit we got three man hey, four i was like doing a little dance at home <laughs> and then i That's right good. away hearted the, the the tweet and share you know <laughs> so yeah you just never know what you're gonna get oh this, no people in this industry yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and be very thoughtful about what we what, how we talk about things, so yeah, 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 and we're all coming at it from different angles too. Because uh, uh, I got into uh, the the real horror type stuff only the last ten years. Prior to that, I, and, and still today, it's mostly dramas and stuff like that that I like. And then uh, Barrett has a different experience in, in film, and, and Sean, you do as well. So it's a uh, uh, and then Mike, who, the, our co-host, he's like the Mr. Mainstream, and uh, and yeah, yeah, we we all came from different ways and and backgrounds and, and we both all liked it. So it was, it was pretty impressive. We, we usually don't have that. So, <laughs> so you guys, uh, uh, all four, yeah. 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 There have been movies that we have not reviewed nearly as kindly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we're not me. Yeah. Well, we, we give our honest opinions, but yeah, I mean, so sometimes I'm yeah. a little too honest, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, all right, so um, we, we're having you folks on here to, uh, uh, I guess, answer some background questions uh, 
some of the questions may be behind the scenes and how you, you set up the film. Other questions may be um, items within the film, the screenplay and whatnot that uh, were maybe intentional and, and whatnot. So we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, so I, I guess we have, uh, we're going to go in alphabetical order by first name for co-hosts, uh, at least to start. And so, uh, Barrett, I would start with you if you had some questions that uh, you wanted to begin and, and both our our guests can, can answer if they if they want to like take turns or, or if they like to or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so first, before I ask my question, I want to say I love this film. It's going to probably be in my top five of the year. Um, we'll see when we get to the end of the year. There's still time for you know a lot of stuff to come out, but it's it's high up there right now. So don't want as, anything else, Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or or if you do, you can always extend to your top ten. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be in my top 20 of the year for sure. That's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's for sure. No yeah, doubt. Sure. Uh, but we want the top 10 or top 5. But anyway, okay. Yeah. <laughs> carry on, carry on. So my question is, I saw him in Eye Without a Face, and I wonder, how did Luke Cook get involved in this project? Because I love him, and he was a great antagonist in this film. Yeah. Do you want to take that, Sylvia? Yeah, I can start, and then you can always sure. so. You know, I've been working with Judy Henderson, this great casting director out of New York City. I've probably done, like, gosh, 10 films with her. And we knew, Danny and I always talked about that we needed someone amazing to play opposite her. Um, There had to be great chemistry. He had to be handsome but also have a dark side. And he just brought it all. So Judy put out a wide, you know, call for actors. And we were just casting that role to start. We knew we needed to lock that before we could really do anything else. And we got in a bunch of bunch of tapes. We made a few Hail Mary passes, which never tend to work out, you know, when you can't offer them a huge money and you don't have a huge distribution deal in place. So as soon as his auditions came in, Danny and I were watching, you know, auditions separately, you know. Um, so we both watched. I know I'll just tell you for me, as soon as I saw, I was like, finally, yes, that guy could 100% do this movie. He's got everything we need. He's got danger. He's got charisma, good looks. He's fun. He got it. He got the beats and the intensity. And I think, you know, we weren't ready to offer just immediately yet, but it was in our minds, in my mind, at least I was like, Oh, okay. We, we could make this movie tomorrow if we had to, we had our Tom and I'll let Danny kind of fill fill in on how she thought. Yeah. I felt the exact same. It was one of those instinctual moments when you watch the tape and you're like, you're like holding your breath because you're just waiting to to make sure that they land every moment or like hoping that they will or don't screw anything (laughs) up. (laughs) But like, come on, come on. It's so good. It's so good. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a phenomenal tape, honestly, from beginning to end. And then what happened was I think Luke was in New York and I was living in New York at the time and had suggested we link up and so we actually went out and grabbed a coffee or drink or whatever and and it just felt it it was I guess that was like the last affirmation for me that he was perfect for the guy I was like you are this character like this is exactly (laughs) what we've crafted in the story and we don't really have to work that hard (laughs) you know (laughs) and just let him come in and, and shine and do his thing and yeah, I feel like that's exactly what Luke did. Yeah. Nice. Um, now, this is Phil. So uh, my question was uh, more with uh, the script and some of the, the critics. And, and uh, all the critics we read, were, were, or I read, were, were 
uh, well receiving of the film. Um, I read some of the reviews after I watched the film because I'm always curious what other folks had to say. And uh, one of the things that they mentioned, uh, a couple of them, was interesting. And I, I mentioned it on the podcast too. And they they talked about um, uh, that character being maybe misogynistic. And and then when when I was watching the film, I I, I could see how. It, on the surface level, he, he looked to be possibly, but if you boil that away, the surface level, and you go to the, the motivations behind it, and, and then, of course, the, the twist at the end, uh, it, it, I felt that you weren't trying to talk about male and female relationships, but more um, specifically related to what um, the topic of the film at least seemed to be, in my opinion, which was uh, social media folk and uh, influences and whatnot and how they may be um, over the top, in a sense. Uh, was it mm-hmm. just that, or, or was it both, or, or am I wrong? And it was to also point out how men can sometimes be as well. Yeah, I can start there. Uh, no, it wasn't. It, it was not a, a gender-targeted thing at all it was very much social media came into the story quite a bit later actually it was always about these two characters and it was more around the idea of seduction and and uh when we are charmed by someone all bets are off and how morally like our own morals kind of go at the wayside sometimes when we're wooed by someone. And so for me, I really wanted to write a story about that, about following these two characters and and where she might go or be led due to the fact that she's so attracted to this man and he's offering her a life that she doesn't have currently, financially speaking, uh, in his home setting. He lives in this beautiful converted barn out in the woods. Uh, he doesn't seem to have any worries or stresses. So for her, it's like, well, this is everything I've ever wanted, and he's into me. <laughs> and so I thought that exploration was really interesting, and it definitely raises an inter- an interesting topic because we've heard sometimes that people, and it, it only ever comes from men, saying that she wouldn't go back to his place. and. And I can tell you, I'm living proof I would have gone back to his place. Like, (laughs) I've gone back to his place. You know what I'm saying? I've gone back to his place many times in my life in different forms with different people. And it's not necessarily his. It could be her place. But it's the same idea of being wooed by someone in that type of setting. And you can still be safe about it. You know, you can still meet someone on a, a dating app and go out and meet in a public place. But once you have a few drinks, I mean, how often do people end up in, in the other person's apartment or home all the time? And so it was, that exploration has always been really interesting to me, on top of the fact that there is a social media element and she's desperate for attention and desperate for that validation, which is just so relevant to the society that we live in today. All right, cool. Uh, Sylvia, do you have anything to add to that? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, so much of it is that dynamic of desperation and 
you know, the thing about social media is that it, it makes it almost easier to cross boundaries that maybe you wouldn't have crossed before. And this kind of highlights that a little bit because, you know, when she goes with him, she, she has a lot of, you know, she has a lot of motivation to go. It's not just because she's attracted to the guy and she's thinking about getting a boyfriend or something like that, but she needs a show. She needs an episode that adds to the, her intentions and why she definitely is going to go because she, you know, she's desperate. We've seen some things have been taken from her in her life, you know, with a father. And so she's kind of, her back is a little bit up against the wall. And so it, I think that also brings in a pretty interesting, you know, dynamic and an interesting question about, you know, would you take some, you know, some chances that maybe whether you would or not, but on this particular day, with all that in mind, you know, sure, she's going back <laughs> with him, um, you know. So that, to me, is that part, and we can get into, you know, I think there's a lot of themes we haven't yet talked about um, that that come up about, you know, who you trust online, and, you know, there's no way to know who, who you met online is really who you're meeting in person or anything that they told you about has any truth to it and that that is true on both sides which i thought was really interesting both jess and tom this the same is true and we know it because we know about jess whereas tom we don't think he does at the top yeah and and just to add to that too i remember because this was five years ago writing the script this whole idea of invasion of privacy was still felt at least for me it still felt new getting into Ubers and having a camera on the dash was still uh, something that I wasn't used to or as familiar with. And so incorporating elements of that into the script as well, that, you know, we can be watched at any time. And those, those boundaries are all blurred now in the world and who has say over what, or who has, you know, any uh, regulations around their own privacy anymore. So that was definitely another one of the themes playing into the film. Now, uh, Sean, you got a question? Uh, yes. So, first off, thank you, ladies, for taking your time or sharing your time with us uh, this evening. I just had a question in regards to, uh, in the process of filming, uh, was there maybe a scene or sequence that was more tricky to film than you might have initially thought when you were drawing it up? Yeah, there were definitely a few. Um, Danny might kill me for saying this, <laughs> because it's about my boy. Um, but all the stuff with a cat, like, I thought it was going to be pretty easy because it was my cat. And I, and <laughs> there's plenty of things I can talk about with the actors, which I will in a second. But so I knew that my cat does certain things. He has certain behaviors and he meows when he wants to eat, which is all the time. But he got, he literally must have gotten stage fright or sick or something because the day he was supposed to make his debut, doing second unit stuff. I, I was with him at the vet because he was vomiting a lot and couldn't vomit oh. and not typical. Like, and they shot him up full of so much medicine that I didn't know what they were doing. And then when they're done, they're like, okay, he can't eat or drink for 72 hours. I'm like, Oh my God, he's what? been cast. The entire thing is about him eating food and meowing. And, <laughs> and yeah, so he was so miserable. It was just so challenging. And I was so worried about him getting out of the apartment and, you know, he's kind of my life. Um, so that was. Hopefully, he got treats after the, the all that <laughs> after adventure. After seventy-two hours, but 
So, I, I mean, I'm sure Danny was like, oh, my gosh, was getting a little frustrated because, you know, things that I know would have been much easier, you know, were, were suddenly, you know, a challenge in the big apartment. He did a great job. Yeah, and it was, ended up being fine. Yeah. Um, he rolled with it, and we just kind of all had to, like, move the camera around to, to catch the cat. Um, but in, in the second, later apartment, you know, we, we, I figured out a few ways to, to make that work. Um, but for, for me, you know, with Danny, um, and, and Luke, for me, the, the, the biggest challenge on a film is time. Time is the enemy of all indie filmmaker. And really, yes, Scorsese or anyone that probably can say, I always wish I had more time. You know, there were a few days like where we were running out of, out of light, you know, even that first scene in the, in the freezer, you know, that scene. We were just, you know, up against time. It was such a tight space, like so tight in there. That was a that was a pretty challenging scene, and and the actor was in the in that freezer for quite a while. So, thank God he's a good friend and a talented actor, Brian Vincent. Um, so that that had its challenge. Um, uh, as you can see, Danny, I'm not talking about what well, the story we typically talk about about the day <laughs> one. Um, but you can if you want to. Well, I'm I'm more having flashbacks to that running scene into the woods because we had that on Steadicam. Oh yeah, it was nighttime. It was pitch black outside, oh, and we we had yeah. some lights that so we'd crafted it. So I'm running and I'm running up to this shed, and then the automatic light turns on, and that's startling. And there's another moment with another automatic light that turns on, but otherwise I'm just running, and the cameraman is following me. So he was actually running ahead of me but backwards with the steady cam and there was a point when he ha- I hit a root or a hole or whatever and uh, had yeah. fallen and the camera fell onto the ground and that was a that was a pretty tense moment that was an oh that, shit moment <laughs> that was an oh shit moment for sure yeah. and he was fine thank god and then obviously all of our worry is around the camera right? yeah and, and the okay How's the camera? <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, and thank God the camera was okay as well. So we, so everything proceeded as normal. But that was definitely yeah. a, a very tense moment. Yeah, because the timing also, like, none of those lights were actually automatic. They were supposed to look like, bam, they're, they're coming on, and it has to hit at the right moment. Yeah. Um, and then remember, gosh, there were those scenes, the lights out, lights on. Holy cow, I never thought that would be so damn challenging. But we, yeah. it was not just one light, and we had a few different circuits going. Our brilliant DP, Luke Geisbuehler, you know, had done lit the barn so beautifully, but to get full-on darkness, it was just so ridiculously hard because, you know, you needed two different people to hit the lights out at exactly the same moment. And we were getting sun or a little bit of light sinking in through they, there was a sun sunroof, not a sunroof, but a roof, you know, there was a little window mm-hmm. up on the top of this huge barn. And at lunch, I'm like, where's Luke? They're like, you don't want to know. I'm like, no, really, where is he? He had gotten himself up onto that. Like it was so, do you remember Luke, Luke, the, our cinematographer? Yeah. Our GP. Yeah. Definitely was, not Luke Cook. He was on top of the barn trying to cover the windows, right? And when we say a barn, like this thing was huge, <laughs> like so tall. And yeah. And there was just yeah. like that one skylight and it was just like, yeah. oh my God. How, how. Yeah. That, that, barn, a, that barn house was cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so cool. Such a great location. Such, Such a the nicest location. people too. True. Yeah. 
Yeah, that uh, that was very challenging, especially as an actor trying yeah. to fake that you can't see. Mm. <laughs> it's so much more challenging than you would expect. <laughs> yeah. I was like imagining spiders were on my body. I was pulling out every single fear I could ever imagine just to provoke <laughs> something in myself because I was like I can see everything yeah. it doesn't scary at all especially when you envision it like the scene and don't breathe when they're downstairs in the basement and it's lights out and I'm thinking if only we had five million like they had and we had a whole set stage and we could you know have get okay fly out the roof you know and yeah, you know, so you yeah. make two on on a small budget with three grip electrics like you know you just you, you make yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, um, Barrett, what do you got? So this is kind of going to go in hand in hand with Phil's question. So you've written something, you've directed something. When people are talking about it, like the wrong message, like misogyny that Phil was talking about, how do you deal with that? Do you just let it go, whatever, um, if if your story is not being understood correctly? Or mm. do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, actually. That's a really good question. Not something that I feel like filmmakers are often asked. Cause that's, I feel like that's dealing specifically with bad reviews, <laughs> right? Like the harsher critics. Possibly. Uh, I, th- I think some people could like this movie, but still, still see misogyny in it. Uh-huh. But yeah, totally. how do you, how do you deal with stuff like that? Do you just let it roll off your back and just whatever, or <laughs> try yeah. to correct that through interviews or? I I say for me, for the most part, people seem to understand it. And so maybe like one out of every 15 isn't getting the message that, you know, that we're putting down. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's never in a way that, at least, like, at least for me, it's never come at me in a way that uh, is harsh or, hmm, how do I say that? I guess... The most that anyone will ever do is ask a question about it if they ever need clarity. But I've never felt like I needed to defend it, I guess. I've never felt like I needed to explain it. Uh, and it's, it's interesting with filmmaking too, because there's such polarizing yeah. <laughs> opinions about every <laughs> film. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have one person who thinks it's, thinks it's the best thing that they've ever seen or, or witnessed on television? And then someone who, for whatever reason, it feels like it provokes something out of them that is deeply personal. I will say that. And so yeah. it's that it, it stirs up some kind of response. Maybe it's a form of, you know, trauma or a, a small a trigger. It triggers some feelings that don't, it, because their explanation or their reviews, don't really make sense around what the film is or or they'll or they'll say things like uh let me just I'll just throw something out um it, it was shot horribly which <laughs> we yeah. went through and through nothing about this film was shot horribly it was shot beautifully and so they'll say something that isn't warranted and there's no evidence and it, it's just completely it's just a complete lie and that always tells me that okay there's something else going on and so I can't really dig into that. You know what I mean? Like I can't really fair, what's the word? Uh, dissect it yeah. <laughs> rather. Yeah. And try to offer some therapeutic advice. <laughs> no, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Because yeah. I would say like, you know, 
as an artist, all you can do is put something out. But to me, part of the excitement is to let people have their own definition of what it means. And if to some right. people, the, the definition of misogyny is Tom's behavior, well, so be it. Then he is a misogynist, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, mm. were we making a film where we were pointing a light at misogyny? Not totally, but is there a little bit in the film? Absolutely, because Jess calls him a misogynist. And then he says, oh, no, I'm not a misogynist. Misogynists hate women. So that's him defending himself. <laughs> but she's own character just calls him a misogynist. So, you know, there is some of that. But I think what maybe Danny was also referring to is the fact that she and I had many conversations. And as a director, I did not want to make a victim film. I did not want to make a film about a woman being victimized by a man. However, she is victimized at times by Tom, but Jess also in some ways victimizes Tom and other people in the show. She is not um, clean. She's, you know, she is scarred a bit. Like she, you know, she she gets a little bit of a comeuppance and, and they seem equal and they go toe to toe. So, yeah. Yeah, we had, we had a big discussion about that for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I yeah. got to ask one thing, and this is kind of, one thing that surprised me, and, and Danny, I always wanted to ask you about this, about people maybe not understanding everything about the film or reading something more into it. Danny, is she a sex worker? <laughs> we that, talked about that, too. Well, on the, guys, oh, no, no. Um, I was like, she's not a sex worker. All four that's what I said. I said worker. she's not a sex worker, but I was, oh, sex I was overruled. <laughs> that's really she's, funny. She's not a sex worker. Danny, no. right? No. no, she's not a sex worker. She So Jess's, Yay, uh, I'm right. Jess's career is loosely <laughs> based on the uh, web series that I used to do for, gosh, I don't know six to ten years on and off <laughs> i'm losing track of time and how many years it was but the web series was taking these odd jobs on off of craigslist and filming them with hidden cameras and they often would be fetish jobs that were placed in the tv film section of craigslist and so they they always looked really odd being placed there uh, i don't there was no like sex category on craigslist at the time but that did come out later. And so, or no, 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 there was. And then they, they removed it. And so yeah. all the more sexual ads went into the TV film section. That's what it was. And so there was this job for 50 bucks to be tickled for an hour. And <laughs> that was the first episode of the whole series. And so Jess's backstory is, is very much inspired by my own, which, which is not sex work. <laughs> right. But I will say, if you guys... If that's what worked in the narrative, and I, I can understand why you may have thought that she starts in a dominatrix outfit, like yeah. how far was, was she willing? She puts her frigging glasses down to film getting on the bed with the guy. So I do get it, and, and that didn't really bother me. I was just like, wow, they think, you know, and that's okay. Because <laughs> I think our music supervisor who wrote the end title song also kind of was, you know, because she even wears that T-shirt in in the music video she wrote about sex mm. workers. And you and I are like, why she wants to wear that T-shirt? It went yeah. right over our heads. And now like, <laughs> I heard right. you guys say that. I'm like, holy shit, Alicia was under that same impression. Um, yeah. That's really so, interesting. Yeah, so that's. Well, I can say I was at least one of the people that did not think that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's okay. You yeah. know, Jess <laughs> is willing to push again. It's that boundaries. Like, I so love films that talk you know make people that maybe wouldn't do certain things like go beyond the boundary and just 
almost goes there, you know, yeah. because putting those glasses down, you know, and they get on the bed and we don't know what's going to happen. And so well, she, and I guess you could see her turning into a sex worker the more desperate she gets, right? Potentially. I mean, potentially, potentially yeah. anything could happen. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's a pretty slow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even when I was doing these Craigslist jobs, it, they very much led me into the dark web. Like there was a, a point when the jobs were getting more risky and there was a, a, just a sketchier vibe about the the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember dealing with someone and they had said something along the lines that my, my, also these people were paying me out of Money Mart which is a place in Toronto where you can just go in. It's There's a teller, and they just you give them a name or a number, and they just hand you money. So it's, it's just the most Never interesting transaction. <laughs> yeah, like they don't have any of your personal information, nothing. You just have to go in and basically give them this little code or your name or whatever, and they just hand you cash. So I was getting paid to do these jobs, and there was a point when they said, the, the guy that was hiring me, who I had never met, who I didn't know his real name or anything, had said, I have more work for you if you want, if you're interested, but just know it's it's in the nature of the stuff you're doing. But uh, I can't remember the words that he said, but something to the extent of... More risque or... Not risque in a sexual way, but like dark, like messed up. <laughs> You could just feel it. You could yeah. feel it in the messages that it was going into an area that I certainly wasn't comfortable with. And so that was the point that I backed out. But I was like, ooh, hmm. so curious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, yeah, it was, uh, I, yeah, I, I would call it this film, even though, like you said, there could be some misogyny or whatever. It, it was basically people behaving badly to other people that just happened to be different genders. It, it felt that that's how I was looking at it. But, but, um, but my question was, uh, again, related to, uh, Jess's character. Um, now she's living, uh, in her father's, uh, condo or, or home, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And for free, basically. And, yeah. and, you know, that's fine. And, um, then she gets very upset when he says he's going to sell it and she won't have a place to live anymore for free. And her brother obviously has some issues too. And out of the two siblings, she at least appears to be, even though they don't necessarily say it, um, the the black sheep in the sense because she seems to be unemployed and whatnot and so forth. So my, my question is, are we – because I, I I understand her situation and I understand the father's and brother's situation too and and I guess stepmom as well because you expect someone to hold, pull their weight but you're also willing to help them as much as you can and then you look at Jess and she doesn't necessarily have a skill that could make her make the money I guess she's doing now with mm-hmm. if she just suddenly changed professions at that moment when the father and brother request but um the the thing is is she obviously is making some money and yet she hasn't been saving either or preparing for the day that maybe her father would sell the house so so are we supposed to be on her side and dislike the father or are we supposed to be somewhere in the middle or, or, or just simply feel like, okay, she's, she's being a freeloader. Because I, I, I could see that we were supposed to be on Jess's side, but I could also see that 
we were setting up that maybe uh, she was somewhat at fault anyway, and that was where something was going to happen in, later in the film. So, uh, where, mm-hmm. where you wrote the, the plot? So, what, what do you what do you say? Where do you think I'm right or wrong or what? Yeah, I think that the whole movie is crafted in that way, where we're not really sure whose side we're supposed to be on. Because I think the same thing goes for uh, Jess and Tom. You know, they're both villainous in ways. And to me, that's what's interesting as a writer, that it's not just a cliche father type who doesn't want to support his daughter, but rather there's complexities in that. And, I mean, on a personal level, I I can empathize with both sides. I can empathize with the father just as much as I can with Jess. It was more to highlight the upcoming change for Jess and the financial burden of losing her apartment in in a city like New York where <laughs> it's so competitive as an actor and just getting an audition is such a challenge to be seen, to also put that financial pressure on of, of – needing to make money and kind of let go of that dream in ways. It was, it was more about highlighting that for her. And I thought Mark Moses, he's such a great actor because he's such a pro in that he doesn't play it in a stereotypical way, which would be very easy for a more green actor to come in and play the dad as a villain, you know, as let it go. This isn't for you. Give it up and be really harsh about it. Whereas as Mark has his gentleness about him. And I think that is so interesting for, um, for Jess's dad. Yeah. I think yeah. I and I would say like some of the cast in the film, some of the characters like the dad don't have a lot of screen time. So you need to fill that character, like give them backstory and make them feel three-dimensional quickly and we knew we needed a dad that would feel solid and believable but not yeah not take the easy path you know yeah, like, he's perfect for that role yeah and you yeah. know when you look at him the way he's dressed everything about him the smug you know he's a little bit smile he looks and the smile you just <laughs> you get it he hugs her there's the awkwardness and he's like no you know like you you under we all know people like that you know he feels three dimensional rather than a caricature. Yeah, exactly. Well put. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I like what you said, uh, Danny. The the complexity complexity of the relationship, which makes mm-hmm. it makes it not like black and white for for sure. So exactly. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean, what do you got? So I guess this is uh, for Danny. What is it like? being the writer of the story and then actually portraying one of the characters that you've written up, do you find that it gives you more depth or more, is it more challenging to do or like, how does it, how is that process for you? Um, that's a good question. It, it was challenging in ways that I had, painted certain scenes out in my head from the script and had an idea of how it was going to play out on set. And it doesn't always match that vision. You know, like you have to, I feel like as an actor, you have to be willing to let it all go and just go play and let things happen. 
but it was definitely more challenging as a writer to let certain things go. And then at the same time, it was easier as Jess because I crafted Jess out of myself. (laughs) Okay. So, and it was a really interesting balance with her because she had, she has parts of herself that are more naive, this naivety that I used to have that I don't have. So I was trying to bring that back into her. And then also this bravery that I had lost in myself to, to understand what that looked like. Cause like back in the day when I was doing the web series, I was just endlessly brave and didn't have the inhibitions that I have now or the boundaries that I have now and call it fear or whatever, but I'm more, way more cautious than I used to be. And so it was a really interesting balance of those two worlds in crafting that character. And I'd say one of the best decisions that I made, and I learned this, I think listening to a podcast, was when you're producing a project and you're also starring in it, to step down as a producer, you know, at least a couple weeks before you go into production. And so that was great for me. I think that put a lot more on Sylvia on the producer front because her and our our um, other producer, Michael and Jay, and were doing everything. And and um, it didn't – I mean, I'll let you speak to this too, Sylvia. I, I believe it didn't give you as much time on the directing end as you would have liked. Um, so I think you killed it at both. But I know for myself, that was one of the best decisions that I made, to step down as a producer and just focus on the character of Jess, especially because I had taken – um two or three year break from the industry so this was like I was jumping back in with with a feature film that I was about to star in which is insanely ambitious when you haven't been on set for three years that was uh pretty scary yeah so I would say I while we were shooting yes I was tasked with I couldn't step away but I had had so many I had taken my time away um several months beforehand I even got a a place in the in the woods like in Asheville and locked myself up and I did so much prep work on the film as a director months a couple months prior like I my script was so written all over I I knew what I needed every moment so that when 12 people were asking me at the same time I wouldn't forget something you know so I had done that kind of prep work um where I kind of am pissed that I didn't step down and I, I don't know that I'll ever really be able to step down because I am a producer by nature because I've been doing it for a while um, is that I would often fight with myself. Like you're, you, you know, a producer is always worried about getting your day and we're losing the light. And whereas I think it's both good and bad for a director to be thinking about those things, but sometimes the director needs to fight more for, for a shot and say the hell with making the day, but in a sense, and something's going to give somewhere. So that would be the only place that I'd say, like, you know, maybe I should have let myself win, let the director win a little bit more. Um, but going back to the initial question for Danny and about how hard was it, and, and Danny, you saying kind of, of course, things are never like you envision. We all have, have a different life in which things we lens through and, and um, we all have different interpretations and stuff. And I think – one of the things that worked so well was that Danny really didn't understand how intense Luke was going to get. It was something Luke and I had a, a chat about the very first call I had with him was because for me, it was 
I always felt that if you didn't believe he like nothing could be off the table with him, especially when he has that shift and suddenly he's like, you're like, whoa, who is this guy? I always thought like the intensity level has to suddenly be bam, like through the roof. And you have to believe like, oh, this guy's kind of a little bit, he's not a little bit, he's like kind of, you know, one one sheet from being, you know, insane and and almost that nothing is off the table. Like he'll do whatever it takes to accomplish what what he's trying to get, get that night. And we specifically didn't tell Danny, you know, go through, you know, which I think is, is the right choice. It's not like we didn't, you know, it's not like he, we did anything dangerous or, but I think the intensity level was a little bit of a surprise, especially in regards to a couple of moments about her hair. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I think it worked because yeah, it was, you know, it was intense and it was suddenly like, whoa. And I think Danny was caught a little off guard, which made her so be just reacting. Yeah. So, yep. I would agree with all of that. Definitely. Cool. I was very surprised. <laughs> uh, Barrett, what do you got? So <clears throat> it sounds like you guys collaborated really closely now, Danny as writer and lead and Sylvia, you as director, was there anything you guys didn't agree on is that, you know, made it into the film or something that uh, was a point of contention in there? I'm just curious. Really? I mean, I'll never forget our lawyer was like, wait, are you guys like, he didn't say it, but we knew he was thinking we were insane because we were like, nope, we're exactly 50-50. There's not a deal breaker. Like, we're just going to always have to come to terms. And I will say, you know, if there was something about the script and it was like, and the two of us, look, she would get the, you know, she wrote the script. I was the director. So but I never really came down to it, you know, like, you know, because I'm very much the way, like, pick your fights, you know. And if there's something that, you know, whether it's Danny or the DP or a producer that they're so adamant about and passionate and a few people. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of good with it either way. I'm not going to fight for it unless I'm like, oh, I got to have it this way and then forget it. I'm going to go to the mat. But we never really got to a, an impasse, you know, right, Danny? Don't I don't think so. No, we were, it was pretty smooth it really all was. the way through. Yeah. I think that the challenging, the most challenging part for us working together was probably post-production because you were having right. to do it was COVID you're having to do it all digitally and yeah. you're not in the room with the editor and then if I was looking at anything after the fact like after you you know given notes and whatever and pushing back on things I think that stuff looking back was more challenging than probably anything yeah. on yeah on production yeah, but, yeah 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 for sure because also you were so far and you felt so out of it in a sense but I think that's yeah. very typical a director wouldn't typically share a scene that isn't cut you know like to right. their specifications you're not going to show up you know and totally. the beauty yeah. is because of COVID I had so much more time like I don't know that I would have been looking at the footage as much and Alex Gans is a brilliant editor and we had a wonderful time but I know I made him probably a little you know a little crazy because I'm like you know this take I like this line better from the third take, second, you know, you know, um, which a lot of that was because it was, you know, COVID and I was home and he was home. And, um, 
And I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to get feedback until it was something that I'm like, you know, I'm, we're getting there. Like I'm feeling pretty happy because otherwise if you have too many chefs in there, then you just, then it's really going to take a long time. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I think, you know, even with the spritz, you know, it was like, we kind of, we kind of saw eye to eye, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, when it came to the script, it was always about just pushing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Let's get under this. What do we mean by this, or what is she doing in this scene that is deeper around the character, and and why is she doing that? Which uh, Preston Witt was our script consultant. He was awesome for that because that was his job. Well, I think that's one of the things about indie films that are better is that you find a lot more collaboration and working together than when you get yeah. these big studio films. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, agree. Definitely. I think it's so collaborative and mm-hmm. that's so exciting that you really don't know what's going to happen or like what it's going to become once you get to set and, you know, let those ideas go. Now um, I had a question about um, uh, the the filming itself where there were a bunch of scenes, like two or three scenes in the film, maybe, maybe even four or more, that had something that was there that if you really pay attention, you'll you'll notice it. But if you don't, it'll, <laughs> it'll just go by you. And mm-hmm. and it appeared that at least two or three of us that watched the film noticed it. And and at first, I said, "Okay, is that is that a filming error?" Like someone was was uh, in the in the crew that mistakenly was there, or, or, or a microphone, or a camera, or whatever. And then then um, later in the film, you know, it, it may be something else. Um, did you guys obviously you intentionally put it 100%. those in there? Yeah. So so uh, so how how did you get them to work without like blowing? Um, I guess the plot. Or, or or anything like that. I mean, for right. for example, like me, I, I was like, oh, that that was a must have been a film error, uh, you know, like the crew. But then, of course, as I'm watching the film, it's like, oh my god, that's great! What a payoff. Um, could you explain some of that? And, and yeah, absolutely. So I think you know one of my jobs, you know, as a director, for, you know, when you have 50 pages in one location with two actors and there's a lot of amazing dialogue. Um, and that intensity is building, you, you still need some visual ways to keep that tension from dropping. And so I knew that to keep that, because, you know, if you if you spend all this effort and the actors put in all this great performance and you build and then suddenly, boom, it drops and you got to build it back up again. So there were some visual cues that I specifically put in, you know, Danny and I talked about it, but that I thought were really important to let the audience be a step ahead of Jess a step ahead of the protagonist. So it was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. Did I just see what I thought I could see? She you you really have to watch her, not <laughs> yeah. blink, not blink. And, and you know, we like those kind of, you know, and I'll tell you, I tried it a lot. You're speaking specifically about someone on the certain fl- second floor, right? <laughs> yeah. So I can't tell you. I drove you know people a little crazy because I wanted to try it at this moment and that moment. And then I was like, no, nah, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. No, no. We I had it. to rewind. Yeah, honestly. Well, <laughs> I, I I missed the second fourth. Well, what I saw was the shadow 
on the first floor in the background. And, and then and then another one of ours mentioned something about uh, the shoe under the bed and stuff. So, so yes. there, was a, there, was a, there was a handful of them anyway. But continue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, those are all, yep, things that we added in. And then, like, I know when you first see that hand, you're like, that's wrong. And then you're like, oh, well, clearly it's not because we're seeing it again and again and again. But that first moment, you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> but what an intense moment. You know, that was just something I was like, oh, my God, this would be so cool if we give a hint to it and then maybe you don't see it. And if you even if you don't see it, then it's a bigger surprise when you do see it. But if you have seen it, then you're more afraid for her when they're going up the stairs. <laughs> so yeah. either way, it's kind of interesting, you know, right. and then. Even well, and, and for, if I can interject for me, yeah. when I saw the, the, the uh, under the bed scene, I I. I tricked myself to say, oh, I, 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 I just misunderstood it. And then <laughs> so, so I just let it go without thinking more about it until later when, when everything falls into place. Even though we cut to it a few times? For some reason, and he pushed I, 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 thought it, I thought it was, was the, the co-star, uh, the, uh, the Todd character, right? Um, that, or Luke character, right? That, that, that yeah. did it. So, so, and, and, and I'm thinking, well, he couldn't have, but what else could there be unless it's a a mistake by the filmmakers? So I said, it has to be him. It just has to be. And so I, I was tricking, <laughs> tricking myself, I guess, to think something that, that wasn't even there. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. Oh, they, were, they were what I call perfect reveals because they were just enough to make you wonder, but not enough to tell you what's going on until one specific point. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's mostly derived from, would you say, for you, Sylvia, is from Hitchcock, pulling from Hitchcock? Yeah, well, the, the the leaning in, you know, I think it's two things. It, yeah, it's kind of Hitchcock, like, even when the way he locks the door, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, guys, I, I won't lose this shot. We have to, have, we didn't really have time for it, but I needed that little lock to come out and lock so that yeah. everyone but Jess realizes, oh, well, that door's not opening again until he unlocks it. But she doesn't know that, but we do, you know, um, which was, was another, again, a Hitchcock thing that, you know, so my, my thought there was something that I, I know is a, is a successful way. If they do it in the strangers, which is a friggin' scary as hell movie. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah. You know, yeah. where you, you see that guy <laughs> enter that kitchen, the, the, the yeah. husband X to B leaves. She's in there. You're so anxious because that opening card tells you, like, holy shit, this is going to be something awful's happening. And then you see him in the kitchen behind her, and she doesn't know he's there. So the whole audience is like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> so that was the kind of, you know, moment of intensity I wanted to just add in those few few moments. Even when she comes running down those stairs which I know we're getting into, I'm not going to, I'm going to be careful about spoilers, but as scared as she is, she still doesn't know. And the audience still knows more in that moment because they've seen the guy, you know, in the corner. Right. Uh, so anyway, yes. Um, I know, uh, Danny, uh, you, you said you would have to leave shortly, but uh, is it all right if Sean uh, asked one more question? No, let's yeah, go totally. ahead. Uh, Danny, no, yeah. Danny, go ahead. If you got stuff to do, that's that's it's cool. It's okay. I got I got a bit more time, so it's all good. Go ahead, okay, Joe. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I was gonna say that I kind of like the touches in again, not spoiling stuff, but like people putting themselves in 
not good situations, but having the mindset that it's not going to happen to them. And that's kind of what I felt was a lot of what was happening, mm-hmm. at least at least with Jess's character, is that, you know, whether you're understanding the kink stuff or whatever, just the idea that you're putting yourself in a situation where you might tell other people to be careful or whatever, but you're, well, it's not going to happen to me kind of person, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes I think when people are devious, they're like, oh, you know, they think they're like the, the devious one. They're like, the, you know what I mean? <laughs> they somehow are like, oh, I, he so doesn't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, and I think, too, the part of the influence, like, back in the day when I was answering Craigslist jobs, the the thing was, when it came to fetish jobs, people are pretty clear what they want. And so it there's a clear distinction between the people who would be posting ads and trying to, for example, a commercial job where someone walks in high heels and they're pretending the ad is about the high heels, when in actuality it's about capturing this woman's foot, putting the heels on to satisfy a foot fetish job. Versus the jobs that would go out and say, hey, I'm looking for a foot fetish model. And so for me, when I was answering jobs and same with Jess, she's very clear around which ones are lies, like which ones are bullshit when she's going in. And then she's acting more as a detective to uncover the truth of the job versus ones of the man that that wants to be locked in the freezer. And be told what a pathetic man he is and that he has no worth. It's very clear what that job is, if that makes sense. So there's a a clear distinction between the jobs that are bullshit and being extra cautious about those ones because you know that this isn't what they're saying that they want versus the ones that say exactly what they want and you know what you're going in for. So that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but just something, an, an an interesting point when crafting her in her whole series and, and how she responds to these jobs and how she kind of, you know, makes herself out to be the, the undercover cop. <laughs> so to, right. So to, yeah. Well, thank you yeah. very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I think um, I, I have another question, but I, I mean, if, um, if, if you have to leave Danny, uh, we, I, mean, I can, uh, asking to Sylvia. I'm saying with Barry. I do too, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Why don't Why don't I do one more with you guys, and then I'll I'll say bye and hop off. This has been a lot of fun. So I hate to get off. I hate to jump off early. You guys are really <laughs> great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah. my pleasure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Barrett, why don't you ask your question, and then I'll leave my question uh, for Sylvia. Okay. Um, my question is about the mask. Now that whole um, <laughs> looking through the door people scene reminded me of one of my other favorite movies this year, uh, Evil Dead Rises. Um, they have similar scenes, but where did that idea for the mask come from? Because that was a really creepy scene. Yeah, do you guys want to know specifically where we sourced the mask? Not necessarily, yeah, although yeah, that would yeah. be interesting. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to say yes, Barrett. You're supposed to say yes. Yes, absolutely yes. I remember, I remember, Sylvia, I'd be really interested to hear your point of view on this, because my memory is that we were Googling different mask makers and looking people up online and trying to 
to find someone who crafted their own. And I, I remember also looking up, doing like a Google search of the most terrifying masks that I could find. And I think we didn't go that avenue because if we had ordered one and used it, then it gets into copyright stuff around who owns that. Are you guys talking about the clown mask? They were talking about the clown mask. Yeah. Yeah. But do you yeah. remember, Sylvia? Totally. Do you remember oh, yeah, I don't on? remember that way. <laughs> there was like, there one of the masks I remember looking up through Google was like this old lady mask and she was so terrifying and she was like, her mouth was massive yeah. and she's laughing and she was so scary. And I, and I, yeah, right. Yeah. But then right. we found, we yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, we didn't want like, you know, the mask, you know, like something like from Joker or, or yeah. from it, you know, like, and I was looking at locations because we were looking at um, a studio or something, and I found an art gallery. And I think, Danny, you, you might have been there, but I saw this photo of this. It, it's an artist. Um, and I, as soon as I saw that mask, like, I don't even – I couldn't even sleep that night. I was like, I know I cannot <laughs> make this movie if I don't have that mask. Yeah. And I became obsessed about it, and I tracked down that guy. I started emailing and texting people and trying to find out who. And it was a guy named Daryl. Um, oh my God, Daryl Thorne. Yeah, Daryl Thorne. And I remember, I he's an artist, but he's also a performance artist, and he makes these amazing headdresses. He plays Quasi Kai, Quasi, Quasi Queen. Queen, yeah, Quasi Queen, who's wa- one of the influencers watching at the end with that huge headdress on. That's dressed so elaborately. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. And we knew we wanted yeah. something really funky for that part. And I was so set on getting that mask that one <laughs> of the things I did to convince the guy to let us use it and not have to, you know, like pay was we cast him in that role because it's not, you know, and had him come all dressed like that. Um. So yeah. he's a he's an artist in New York. Yeah, Daryl Thorne, he's, he, he look is him up online, amazing. Incredible. He oh. creates these masks where they have a mirror yeah. in the middle, and he'll create one side, like the dark version of, of whatever, yeah. and then the flowery, sunny side on the other side. And you guys you guys have to check it out on, he's on all over Instagram. Yeah. But it's insane. Some of the coolest designs that I've ever seen. Yeah. Really cool. And then he did all his body paint and everything. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, we wanted something, you know, visually you want something really interesting. And these are, you know, the top influencers on that platform. So you're like, well, how are they? So they have to be really interesting. And so it all just kind of worked. And then, you know, to me, one of the scariest things you can do in a movie is, you know, have someone looking through a peephole, you know. Yes. (laughs) You know. Especially with that mask. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and even like that moment where she realizes because she she was, you know, I will say like every frame of that last bit, you know, was so specific. Like I was so like, okay, and then we're here and then there and the camera's going there and then we're close closing, you know, doing a close up. So when she runs in, she's so worried about the catch. She doesn't even, she slams that door. She doesn't even think about locking it so that, you know, it's later on when she realizes like, Oh my God, that they just let, you know, whoever's here in and, and she looks at the door and she's like, Oh my God, I didn't lock it. And that's that moment where she's running and, you know, mm-hmm. and then looking through that door, you know, I said to the DP, how do we make that creepier? So you almost feel like you're, you know, looking through that peephole at, you know, the hallway. And 
boy, what a gorgeous location that was, too. I'm in love with that hallway and those stairs. And even that apartment was just so cool. Yeah. But my my question actually goes right to that, too, which is, <laughs> Danny, if if she is now uh, forced to make a choice, your, your character, and mm-hmm. she now understands probably Tom's predicament and why he was who he was, mm-hmm. it's what, and, and you leave it open-ended that my I was I was curious if with her having gone through this day or or, or two days and also losing her, her her home with her father could also weigh on over and on top of what she's gone through you know losing the house and whatnot but would she go back to her her nature of where we think she would choose or has she learned something and her own, I guess, changes or guilt or whatever would make her decide to do something else instead? But either, either way, it's a tough decision. And, and yeah, <laughs> it, it was pretty, pretty awesome how, how, you, how you, you wrote that and you guys filmed it. Um, how, how did you get into writing it that way where it's so ambiguous because we don't know if she's grown or yeah. if she would go back to her original, like <laughs> – way of thinking, I guess. It's such a loaded question because there's so many variations of this ending that we talked through and had been written and changed and rewritten. And yeah, it's, there was so much I wanted to show in the end with her too, because as someone who's a social media star and addicted to that validation and attention, when someone strips that away from you, there's a whole withdrawal period that would happen where You've lost your identity, which is also another big theme of the movie. It's like, who are you when you pull all those layers away, when you pull the fake hair away and the eyelashes and this whole persona? Then what are you left with? And I I think it was just too long and arduous to show this whole withdrawal period in the end that I think we ended up scrapping that. But I think when someone presents an opportunity, someone like Tom, there's still a high and adrenaline that comes with that, a level of excitement that someone like Jess has been lacking since she's been back out in the world without all her social media accounts. And uh, yeah, so I think that choice is very complex, (laughs) just like everything else and very layered because of that excitement still attached to it and and then on top of that wanting to get back at him and you know have her own create her own story in it so that's kind of where we left off from my perspective what about you Sylvia yeah yeah I kind of I kind of agree with that that is kind of where we leave it and we don't want to say too much because, you know, it's so yeah. open to interpretation and what yeah. people would choose. But, yeah. We will explain it in the sequel. Yeah, in the trilogy. We hope we <laughs> get to make someday. Oh, yeah. please. Uh, I right. hope or, so. or, or, that would be or, awesome. Or, or do do a, dire- a director, writer, uh, actress uh, commentary or something. Uh, yeah. That would be really fun. I would love to do that, actually. I, and I could also see this being a series. It's something that Sylvia and I Yeah, talk we've about. talked about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It should. There's so many different ways we could go with a series, too. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
So yeah, I snuck in my my question, Danny. So so sorry. That. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, no, this has but, been awesome. Well, Thank you guys so much. I'll, I'll let you carry on. Well, with well, well, but but before you do leave, uh, yeah. Danny, uh, do you want to let anybody know uh, where they can find you, uh, like on the internet, uh, um, email, uh, websites, uh, other things that you have in the works that you want to share? Uh, or let people know about, or if you're going to be at conventions for signings, anything like that that you wanted to share? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram. It's kind of my main social media platform, which is just Instagram.com slash Danny Barker or Danny Barker 7, one of the two. And I, I pretty much update everything on there outside of my website, which is DannyBarker.com. <laughs> um, we're trying to to – refresh everything on the follow her website just around where it's playing and how you can rent it so followherfilm.com is where all the links are and and we're just asking you know at the end of the day we're still indie filmmakers so it really really helps us for anyone who does like the film to rate it and review it um trying to get our reviews up on rotten tomatoes and and just getting people talking about it in that way, it makes a huge difference. It's wild how much of a difference it makes as indie filmmakers. So um, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Thanks uh, for joining us, uh, Danny. And uh, yeah. if there's anything else uh, that comes up that you wanted to promote, just let us know and we'll get it up on the, our website. Okay. And our podcast. I will. So. Yeah. Thank you guys so much and enjoy the rest of the podcast. And I will definitely be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Talk to you later, Sylvia. Bye. Bye. All right, so, Sylvia. So uh, we, we yeah. won't hold you too much longer because I, okay. I, I don't I don't know uh, how long you have, but uh, I, I assume Sean, you, you had a, at least a couple more questions too because uh, you've you've been shortchanged with uh, one last question than the rest of us. Um, I was I don't know if this was even something that was was uh, part of the process. But I was wondering if there's any aspects of, like, people dealing with mental health and trauma and stuff and, like, how that affects people's making our choice, you know, decision-making and stuff, if that was anything that was considered as part of, like, the story at all. Mm, Does that make sense? You know, this definitely was not – it it wasn't written intended to be a a film about mental health, but obviously, you know (laughs) – there are triggers, you're not triggers, but signs of maybe not being the healthiest with your behavior. You know, Jess, Jess's behavior is not necessarily super healthy. And I think that's actually one of, you know, one of the the themes that I, I think is, is something that we hope people talk about. You know, what is, you know, her behavior online and this feel that, you know, she always has to, provide her audience with, you know, more and more intensity and just kind of take risks. And, you know, that's something interesting. And I do feel like people that are so, you know, set on social media and ranking and getting follows and likes, that can have a, you know, a very hard impact on one's psyche and can cause you to to get so kind of focus laser focus that you start forgetting about humanity and your you know maybe morality and what's proper you know so it was more kind of about that about the loss of maybe morals or the ability to to cross lines like we talked about a little bit earlier that you maybe wouldn't under normal under other circumstances um you know but we do see a little bit of the trigger with the dad 
you know, and that he doesn't really support her. We see that nightmare that she has in, in the first act, you know, and the brother's message about, you know, missing mom. So you, you do get a sense that there was a big loss in their life earlier in life. Um, but no, it was, you know, it was not really the intention to, yeah. to say that this was a, a mental health issue. <laughs> Although, you know, don't, you know, people on social media that we all get so focused on, you know, I think we it, it's really important to be careful to not put so much weight, you know. So so in some regards, we are making a statement about that. We're just not quite calling it mental illness yeah. because it would be running rampant everywhere online because most people on social media are, you know, who liked my quote, you know, my tweet, you know, or my, you know, my Instagram reel or, you know, whatever. And, you know, it can bring you up or down if you're not getting the follows you want. And especially when you're competing, she's got to get into that top 10. So, you know, there's a fragility there. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, anybody else have any more questions for Sylvia? Because I know uh, uh, we've been here for an hour. Uh, we we have could have one. your on. Yeah, go ahead, Brad, please. Yeah, I have one last question. So was this your first horror film outing, and did you like it enough to do lots more horror films? Oh, frig yeah. So it was my first feature film that I directed that was, you know, fiction. So not only – first horror film but first you know narrative feature as a director you know i've done some thrillers and stuff as a producer i've turned down some horror films in the past to produce because i just thought they were very gratuitous um i'm not really into slashers i was when i was a teenager like in junior high and high school i would go watch you know slashers and i will i'll see scream and some of those but they're not they're not necessarily the the type of film i've read a bunch of films lately that I'm just like, yeah, God, I don't want to spend four years making that film because, (laughs) you know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in that headspace, you know. Um, But I have loved horror and genre since I was a kid. Like, you know, I saw, you know, Jaws, which is, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that's not horror, but uh, it kind of is horror. (laughs) It's scary. No, it is, yes. (laughs) I mean, that, that film, like, scarred me i still hear the music when i swim in the ocean which is not much (laughs) for that movie um but you know as a kid i think realizing like the journey like if you can you know if you can make someone laugh that's freaking great too because that commits them but if you can you know scare people i don't know you can take them on such a journey and talk about wanting to just leave this hellhole of so much crap going on in the world right now it's like you know, I do kind of feel like there is a value to to letting people go on a ride. Um, and you can also discuss things in maybe a more direct way in a horror film. And you can make it a little bit more outrageous because it is a horror film. And I think that's why maybe because it's been kind of a, a challenging time in society the last, you know, decade or whatever, last six, seven years, whatever, you know, horror has really having a resurgence, you know, like it's hot right now. And I think so many interesting social, you know, questions regarding society and morality and what's meaningful in life, you know, have been being told through horror films, you know, more than just slashers. And you know what I mean? I think it feels like the last area where film is actually questioning a lot of things, you know, instead of just 
giving people what they want. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. You know, pushing boundaries and, you know, yeah. And so, yeah, I, this is definitely not, I'm not like a, you know, holidaying in, in, in horror films or genre. No, I plan to make a stake in it. I hope, you know, it's hard as hell to raise money and get, make movies, but I definitely plan to, to, and besides which I had like the greatest year last year going to film festivals. I've traveled for, to film festivals for, you know, over a decade um, with other films that I produced, but there are no festivals like the genre festival. Some of these amazing <laughs> festivals I went to and the genre audiences are so passionate and I, damn, they just love cinema and they love film and they're so vocal and so fun and, um, yeah, no, so I already have like the next two projects I hope I do. One is straight, pretty straight horror, has a little bit of messaging. It, there's a creature, you know, it's really fun. Um, it's called It Walks Among Us. I have this great mm. producer, um, who did, who produced one of my favorite horror films called Hard Candy. Um, yep. Oh, yeah. 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 That was yeah. a great film. Great, great film. film. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Wilson and um, Elliot Page. Elliot Page, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. 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 So, I, in fact, I watched that again. I had seen it, but, you know, in preparation for this film, you know, you got two characters trapped, one's trying to take lead. You never quite know until you know. Um, yeah, so there's that one, which I'm very excited about. And then, um, you know, I – I spent a couple of days in bed over Thanksgiving and I found a book on audible that I literally fell in love with in the first couple hours of listening to it. It's a sci-fi time travel book. That's very character driven. Um, it's called, and then she vanished um, this fabulous British writer called Nick Jones. And it's, he's already got four books out. It's a series of seven books. And I literally was in bed with a fever, like, ah, you know, thinking, Oh my God, if I have got to direct this movie. And I remember looking him up, and I was so nervous. I was like, oh, gosh, maybe they're already in pre-production or it's been bought. <laughs> and I couldn't find anything about a movie. So then I just tracked the guy down on Instagram, and thank God I'd been forced to be on Instagram <laughs> because of this movie. And I'd had a few posts out so he could see I was a filmmaker. And he responded. took a few days. And now we're writing it, you know, together. And oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I am yeah. so excited. That's this is, like. Yeah, this is like, you know, a series of films. Like, this is like my my prayer to, like, yeah, have a, you know, because the budget would be a lot bigger. It's not huge. I'm not, you know, going from this movie to, like, a $15 million film, but it's in the millions, you know, five to whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I do, I do, I do love this genre. There's a lot of heart and drama in that one. It's not just, like, sci-fi thriller, but it's really interesting. Really, yeah, really feel good. I will be watching out for all of your new projects. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'll definitely let you guys know when, when they're going. Indeed. Um, all right, so, um, well, I guess I should ask you the same thing I asked Danny, which is where can people find you? Are, you, you mentioned some projects that, that, that yeah. you know, to look out for as, as they are developed. But uh, how can folks find you? You said you've been to film festivals, so maybe, maybe you're you're going to conventions or more film festivals where people can meet you and get autographs or whatnot. Why don't you let us know? You know, I don't have anything against conventions, but I don't. That has not been on my radar for me. You know, um, I you know who knows? 
if the film does well enough, maybe. But I, you know, I am on Instagram. Uh, my company name is Dolger Films. It's named after my dad, Dolores and Jerry. So D O L G E R Films. And you know, because I'm kind of newer to it, and this was my first film, I, I really do try to interact with people um, and comment back, especially if people have seen the film and they have a question or God forbid they, you know, you know, we hope they like it and they post about it. That's like, we love that. And I'll often like comment back and repost or reach out to them. And then on Twitter, it's just my name at Sylvia Kaminer. And I'm also on Facebook under that as well, my name. And I have a website, my film, doldrefilms.com. And you can find my email on my website, doldrefilms.com or, you know, IMDb. And yeah, I'm always looking for great, you know, great, great scripts, great projects to, to jump on, whether it's, you know, I really am focusing on directing right now, but how the right script, right director comes along, I'm definitely still producing too. Um, yeah. All right. Very good. Very good. So uh, we, we appreciate uh, both you and uh, Danny for uh, showing up and uh, help promote your film. Yeah. Uh, again, again, we don't, we don't ask too many folks on the podcast we, because we usually just do reviews, critiques, and dissections of film. But when there's a, a little, uh, well, I don't want to say little, but but a hidden gem, um, we, we always want to help and promote it as, as much as we can, uh, especially uh, like, like you and Danny said, anything that can work for indie film, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, and it really does. You know, I want to thank you guys, you know, Philip, Eric, Sean. Um, what you do is really important. Because, you know, films, especially like mine or other indies, like, it is really impossible to break through the noise. There's so much film being released every week, and there's always the huge films, the tentpole films that have, you know, a million, you know, they're spending millions on press, and, you know, that's who the Hollywood Reporter and Variety are writing about. And so it's really hard. And, you know, we need to, to get to one person at a time almost. So if a few people rent this movie on Amazon or something because of hearing, wow, you, you dudes liked it. And, yeah, these guys have some interesting things to say. And, and then maybe they post about it and a few more people. That's really the chance for films like, you know, like this. I bought it, by the way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I did, too. I did, too. I bought it through uh uh, Amazon, I mean, Amazon. I mean, all right, well, now here uh, I'm going to ask you this. Did you Apple guys, movies. have you reviewed it yet on Amazon or wherever you bought it? Or uh, actually, it was Amazon? Apple. I, I bought it. Uh, no, no, I, I have not. I need uh, to do right. that, yeah. Please yeah. do, and on Rotten Tomatoes and even on IMDb where we really need some help. Um, so, yeah, because <laughs> it really does make a difference. Our distributor just today was like, guys, we got to see what you can do to get over 50, you know, 50 people to review the film on Rotten Tomatoes and on um, you know, Amazon or Apple, if you bought it on Apple. So yeah, if you don't mind and anyone else that watches it, that just, it just helps. It just says, Hey, yeah, we're an indie film, but people care about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do that. We, we, we did do yeah. a two hour episode talking about your film. So that was pretty good. And we just had your, that's so uh, true. Yeah. You guys have done your part. I can do more. I can get yeah, on. We, we do more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's films yeah. like this that I want to promote because this is what we need out there. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. That means a lot. 
So especially because you guys came to a cold. It's not like you're, you know, old friends of ours. So thank you. Yeah, right, right. Exactly, exactly. We, we try to do most of our films uh, cold. Uh, yeah. the, worst, the worst case is, is maybe we see a the trailer, which, but uh, sure. but that's about it. That's about it. So, Sweet. Yeah. Uh, but but marketing does work. The, your poster was what. Oh, creepy duck! This guy, oh, <laughs> so freaking brilliant! I don't know if you guys know him, but you should follow him. He's I think he's the most exciting movie poster designer right now, and he did our pre, you know, our kind of advanced posters, and he did this poster. Colm is his name. I plan to. I just pray to God he doesn't get too expensive because I want him to design all my posters. Oh, and I have to give you guys some credit. So I had just kind of been thinking about the movie and thinking, gosh, our log line just isn't right for this movie. It's it's not a tire up and and torment. You know, it's not like a a girl being tortured movie. And the previous log line really sounded that way. And I remember you guys said, oh, let's look at the log line. And one of you read it and said, oh, that's unfortunate. I was like, I knew it. And so I'll, do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I had just told the distributor to change it and I'd given him a new one. And I was like, oh my God, I knew it. And that doesn't help an indie film. And so they changed it a couple weeks ago. And let me just tell you, can I read you what they have right now? And you can be honest. I pray to God you're not. Yeah, yeah, go, go yeah, ahead. absolutely. All right, so hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'll take credit for for saying that was unfortunate because I'm the one that always. It was, <laughs> and I was like, okay, yep, I'm not wrong. Um, okay, okay. So this is now, and it's got to be like one sentence only. When aspiring actress Jess risks her life to go viral, the boundaries of social media begin to blur. Yeah, that's good. That is way right? better. That's way, way better. better. Right? Yeah. I like yeah. that. It's it, it, uh, very interesting, and yet it doesn't give anything away much. either. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Really no, good. and you realize, like, it's about social media and how far you're willing to go, and, yeah, I like that. So yeah. We always yeah. comment on those because we always say them before yeah. we do the movie. Yeah. And – if they're bad, we we comment on it because they're important pieces to pull you in. Yeah. They are, yeah. they are. No, and it, yeah, and and it's just so funny that it was like literally that day that I was like, oh my god, we have to get this off right now. And I, I kind of emailed like I sent out a nervous like, oh guys, we got to change this right away. Can we please use this instead? And then I heard you say, and so I think I even wrote them back again and said, we really can you change it as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so see, you guys are really doing good, valuable work. And indie Indeed. filmmakers should really be listening. So, and not just you know writers, you know people that like horror. Hopefully, you get a lot of a lot of great people listening. So, yeah, yeah, yeah we've been around for a good decade, and yeah. and uh, yeah, so so we we do have a a pretty good listener base, which is which is good. It gives us uh, access to uh, uh, go to right. conventions for free, you know, and stuff like oh, that. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so it's all good. Um, all right, so uh, Sylvia, uh, we, we've kept you now for an hour and 30 minutes, not including the 10 minutes uh, beforehand as we were setting up. So no uh, we, yeah. we, shouldn't, we shouldn't keep oh, you too long, but uh, I'm so glad that you were able to give us your time as, as uh, Danny was as well. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, more people will check out your film after they hear, hear some of the stuff we, we talked about tonight. I hope so. Thanks, guys. Okay, very well. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.
All right, so uh, that's uh, uh, the two folks that uh, basically were the, the backbone for this film. Uh, Sylvia Kaminer was the director, and Danny Barker, she was the lead actress. And uh, the character, most of the film was in her perspective, too. And uh, we would have just wrote it, Luke, too. Yeah, we would have just needed Luke yeah. Cook to have the trifecta, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, it was good that they were able to join us, uh, spend some time with us. Yeah, they're this, awesome. This, this series, series just has, she speaks every time. Once. <laughs> uh, get out of here. It's a tradition now. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so, um, let's see. What What else do we want to talk about? You know, just wrap up a couple of things. Uh, what 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 they told us. And things like that. One question I, I, I thought about, and I should have wrote it down in, in preparation, but was that question about uh, the character being in Jess's perspective, the, meaning the movie, I mean, and how that makes us uh, think Luke may be a villain when, in fact, as as the, the folks said here, as well as once you finish watching the film – uh, it's pretty gray all all through yeah. the film. Yeah, the he is the ostensible antagonist, but that's only because it's from her point of view, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about this film is that the way that works, that that whole grayness. Once you start getting further into it and realizing, you know, they're they're both victims and victimizers. Everybody, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Got a great dichotomy going on there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Sean, what, what else do you have to say? You, you've been kind of quiet. You're always quiet. You, you gotta, you gotta speak up, my friend. Speak up. What, what's going on? Uh, no, what I thoughts, mean, thoughts, I know. I mean, <laughs> you know, like we when we did the review, it was good. I went back after we had done the review and checked it out again, and watching it the second time, it you're able to catch more of the stuff, which is a good, which is what any good story is, right? Is being able yep. to go back to it, being drawn back to it, getting more stuff out of it and appreciating it that much more, however many times you end up viewing it. And so, I mean, I just think that the effort that they put in, you know, for casting, for cinematography, for the story itself, you know, again, we in the run I've been with you guys here in the last few months, We've had some movies that have been enjoyable, and we've had some that haven't been. And I would certainly put it up in my top five for what we've watched in the last couple of months, for sure. Like, there's no question about it. Yeah, I think about this, and I think about I just saw The Flash. This movie, for me, was better than The Flash. You know, Oh, my God. Like, they're not even comparable. I know. You know, But you know what I'm saying, right? And yeah, how many yeah, millions yeah. were spent on that and how many hundreds of people worked on that film for it to be not nearly as good as this indie film that didn't have nearly the budget and nearly yeah. the amount of people working on it. Or the drama yeah. or the, yeah. you know, the yeah. studio interference and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I think you were making the point earlier, Phil, about – the idea of like you're not or having a smaller budget means that you're not dealing with the same stuff that you right. get in with the bigger budgets and the bigger pictures is because then you're getting all kinds of people getting involved and, you know, taking away whatever magic that you may have had initially because it gets watered down and changed and altered and all kinds of other stuff, right? So I think right. in a sense I, these injury oh go ahead. I was gonna say that Barrett gets credit for that. He was one of Oh sorry Barrett. My apologies, Barrett. So oh, you're right. you I was just laughing because I was laughing offline with you, Barrett, about this part. <laughs> it's always <laughs> funny because I'm the last person in the in the the <laughs> order 
And my question, the number one question I had was the number one question that Barrett had <laughs> in the first round. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. So, uh, I, I was going to say that, uh, you know, usually – the funny thing is about Dark Discussions Podcast when we do our uh, end-of-the-year list of best films. Um, we always just talk about how it's all these films that, specifically Mike, I'll give him credit for it, co-host Mike, who couldn't join us tonight, but he said that, that the films that always turn up to be number one are films we didn't even have on our radar on January 1st. And not that, and, and you know, this year is a little different because Evil Dead Rise is probably gonna gonna crash everybody's uh, uh, sleeper chance, but but usually uh, you know little films like this will pop up and and they're the ones that land up closer yep. to the top if not number one. If and, Evil Dead Rise hadn't come out this year, this movie would probably be my number one film right now. Oh, how about that? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. There's a couple other indie films that I like too, like Candyland. I thought, yeah, that was a yeah. pretty awesome one, and and uh, a couple others too. So so, but but I I, I would concur. That, that this is most certainly uh, going to probably land up on my top twenty, if not my top ten, for sure. So it's 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 going to hold up, I think. And and even if uh, the social media aspect was added later into the script, um, it's so t- uh, important to the day and time uh, of of the you know the world it is now, twenty twenty three, that. That it, it'll it'll hold up for for sure by the end of the year, just and just for the fact that it's a great film or a good film or whatever your perspective is. Um, and speaking of that, uh, today is July tenth, twenty twenty three. For some of our listeners like Pam, who are always curious when we record these episodes because sometimes they're not released immediately uh, after they're recorded. However, this one will probably be released uh, maybe even tomorrow, uh, uh, July eleventh. Uh, my wedding anniversary for the, for that for me. Oh wow! Congratulations! Yeah, how about that? Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up? No, just that people should see this movie. Yes, and watch it multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's just do some uh, house cleaning then. Uh, well, well I, actually, I want to say one thing before we do that. Uh, yeah, watching it multiple times is pretty cool because then it's similar to like. Uh, signs or, you know, those type of films that you watch it a second time and it's like, oh, look at that, there it was, like, you know, now, I, you know, everything is is there after the fact that you see it and it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, it's definitely worth a second watch for sure. Um, so, uh, what we do here on Dark Discussions Podcast is www.darkdiscussions.com and Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews and the rest. Uh, the network, uh, we have an email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com, where you can email us and uh, give us feedback or suggestions or anything else, and we will read your email on the podcast. Um, most likely this is going to be a Dark Discussions episode uh, rather than a Halloween Boutique uh, Psychotronic Reviews for the fact that um, we reviewed the film on Dark Discussions. Um, but uh, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com's website, Sean? I believe you'll be talking about the Patreon link, which is a way that people can support creators that uh, they enjoy uh, creating stuff, right? Um, Basically, what you can do is go to Patreon, and uh, if you can afford it financially, anything you can donate each month would be appreciated. A dollar a month makes a difference, because 
All the podcasts are released for free, but there's a ton of expenses behind the scenes that Phil gets to pay uh, a lot. So anything you can provide financially is uh, much appreciated, very much appreciated. Uh, For every $5 each month that you're able to contribute, uh, you get to put a movie in a draw, which goes every quarter, that can, uh, when it's pulled, at, ends up going into uh, being a review on Dark Discussions, the main feed, or possibly one of the sister podcasts, depending on where it falls genre-wise. But it's a nice way to get maybe a movie that you have not had a review on before, and also support this podcast continuing. So... And if you're not able to do anything financially, which is very much understandable in our time, uh, anything you can do to share pod, the podcast on social media or to do reviews on whatever podcast uh, or provider that you listen to, that helps as well. So anything you can do in that regard that helps us keep going is a great thing. So thank you. Indeed, and thank you just for listening. Yep, and uh, we actually uh, just pulled uh, another uh, Patreon pick to uh, add to the queue to record, and that is um, Mysterious Skin, uh, Greg Araki's film uh, starring, uh, I forget the kid's name, but uh, he played Robin, uh, or what was going to be Robin Robin in the um, Christopher Nolan Last film, uh, Batman film. Uh, what's that kid's actor's name? I can't even remember his name. It's crazy. But Joseph anyway, love it. Yeah, that's it. That's guy. Yeah, yeah. So this is a film from 2004. I think it's like it's one of his first films, uh, The Mysterious Skin. And so we'll we'll be doing that uh, as an episode uh, coming soon. And uh, I think that was from Keith Griffin, one of our listeners. Uh, he was one that uh, suggested it, uh, and he donates to the Patreon. So uh, thank you for anybody who donates. Uh, even if it's a one-time uh, uh, donation, it's always good. Uh, we did have a 330 or $350 bill uh, just last month uh, to, to keep up the website uh, with the GoDaddy company. Um, all right, so I think that's pretty much it. So uh, we can uh, pretty much wrap it up. Uh, but before we do, uh, Barrett, what's that main podcast? Well, what, what's that, the side podcast that me and Sean and you uh, – did last month in June and are, are actually going to be talking about uh, some other stuff uh, with a couple other co-hosts. Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Last month was Pride Month and we did a lesbian art house movie every week for the month of June. Uh, that was four movies. Um, and we gave uh, all those reverse reviews are out there right now for people to listen to. Um, we're next going to be doing The Suicide Squad as well as Peacemaker, and we have some other things in the hopper that are getting ready to get in there, too. Indeed, indeed. And a, cu- a couple of uh, uh, years back, we did the film AWOL for the June month, uh, starring yeah. Lola Kirk, and uh, I actually saw her in concert last year in Brooklyn, Brooklyn New York, she does the... Uh, uh, music as well, uh, and I'm going to be seeing her uh, the 26th and 27th of this month. I'm going to see her in Brattleboro, Vermont, and then the next night I'm going to bring my whole family, uh, my, my two kids and my father-in-law, to uh, Exeter, New Hampshire to see her, so uh, it'll be pretty cool to see her in concert again. She's really good. Um, and Sean, uh, what's the... Uh, Three podcasts about television shows that we just uh, wrapped up within the past uh, six to eight months. 
So the most recent one that we went through was Rise of the Cordyceps Infected, a Last of Us podcast where we followed Last of Us on HBO Max or whatever you want to call it now uh, every week. Uh, prior to that, we had uh, done the Decimation of Dragons, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, and then prior to that, we had also done uh, She-Hulk, Avenger of the Law for the She-Hulk Disney Plus series for Marvel. Uh, also, uh, Barrett and myself and a bunch of other people, what, what, what's going on on August 11th weekend, Barrett, and uh, how can people join us? Yeah, we're going to be in Mystic. Um, on Friday, we go and have dinner at Mystic Pizza. And then on Saturday, we choose a movie and we go watch it. Then we have some dinner and then we do a podcast on whatever we watched. Um, if you come to Mystic, you can join us. That's right. And Mystic is Mystic, Connecticut. Uh, so uh, if you wanted to join us, uh, we will give you the itinerary uh, for the, the weekend. Uh, there's some a lot of free time as well, so, so it's not just hanging out with us, but you can, you can go and, and check out the local sites. Uh, but it's a fun the, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is, it is. There's a number of ways you can get there, too. You can obviously drive. Uh, but there are also two uh, international airports that are less than an hour or so away, uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, but the best airport to go to through is that probably Providence, Rhode Island. And you say, Providence, Rhode Island? That's a different state. But actually, uh, we're, we're right, uh, or I should say Mystic in New London, Connecticut, and all that are right on the Rhode Island border. And uh, not too far from Taylor Swift's house, by the way. So um, you can uh, fly in either of those Airports, and then uh, yeah, we we start the the day uh, at Mystic Pizza um, right around supper time. And uh, if you are interested, you can uh, email us. But right, it's talk discussions at aol dot com. But right in the subject, right, Mystic M Y S T I C. Otherwise, it'll just get mixed in with the hundreds of emails that we get. Uh, from movie companies and DVD companies that are trying to have us review their movies. Um, so uh, I can just do search for Mystic, and, and then those emails will pop up. Uh, also, you can uh, ask us questions on Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group uh, and uh, get the information there as well. Uh, we're, we're all there, and um, you can just tag one of us uh, in that group uh, to notify that uh, there's a message for us uh, in the group, and we can go check it out, and, yeah, we can get you all that information. Uh, it looks like there's going to be a good amount of crowd this year, so uh, that's pretty awesome. And um, uh, yeah, it's going to be good to see everybody in person again because again, we we were scattered all over the place. Unfortunately, Sean, it doesn't feel you're going to make it. One of these years, I will. I'm not saying if, I'm saying when. I just don't know when. That's what I want to hear. We're going to hold you to that. It should be every year, though, not just one. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. If, if financially, that was the situation. I would be there. <laughs> That sadly, at this you're, point, is not your staff now, man. Your staff, <laughs> yes. right, right, right. Yeah, if people want to donate to Patreon. You can you can help uh, support us to get get the money to get, uh, get Sean here. So so there's another option right there. Um, so yeah, yeah. So oh, uh, a Taylor Swift reference. Uh, I got to get one in. Uh, you got so, multiple yeah. in. You already got one in with the. Oh no, I guess maybe it was before. Yeah, that may have been. That may have been. Yeah, maybe before recorded. But uh, I, I'm doing a tr- uh, trivia. Uh, thir- uh, Sunday night, the 16th, uh, at six o'clock, at our local Chunky's Movie Theater, which is a uh, eat and 
and dine movie theater, uh, but they're having a, a trivia night, and it's uh, all about Taylor Swift. So uh, I'm hoping to do really well there, maybe win first prize. Uh, they did have a, the Office trivia uh, about four months ago, and I unfortunately missed that one. Uh, but uh, I'm not missing the Taylor Swift one. I, I got the seats. I got four seats. So we look forward to you winning. Indeed. Yeah, Phil, go easy on the competition, okay? Yeah, yeah, I can kind of get excited and, and start screaming and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it would be weird too because if they ask for team names, uh, I'm going to use my team name is usually Taylor Swift when I go play trivia on Wednesday nights and stuff. So it's like, what do I do? Because I mean, if I say Taylor Swift, how many other people are going to try to say that they're be like names? the real Taylor Swift? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, every time I walk into uh, the Wednesday night to, um, trivia, uh, everybody uh, just calls me Taylor Swift. They go, hey, Taylor Swift. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Other uh, one is I Taylor actually, Swift for life. That's a good one. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. yeah. I, I actually was, I went to a concert, um, a small concert in Manchester, New Hampshire, and some guy just comes up to me, this old guy, goes, hey, you're Taylor Swift from, from Casey's Rich Shack. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, and I've never seen the guy in my life. It was kind of awesome. It was, it was pretty cool. You're building your uh, reputation. Good work, Phil. Indeed. indeed, <laughs> indeed. I, I, I last only came in second place this past week, though. So. Hey, you're still, still the top three. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Wizard of Oz pulled me pulled me uh, up from third place to, to second, and then it just wasn't enough to, to pull me into first. So it happens. Plus, you got to let other people win sometimes, too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So anyway, anyway, so uh, all right, so uh, that's pretty much our uh, Mystic event. And again, you know all to uh, find out the information by contacting us, contacting us uh, those many ways that we mentioned. All right, so uh, that's pretty much it. So I guess we can give our. Oh, we don't have to give our review. Yeah, we already did that. So, so I think that's pretty much it for this episode. So. Uh, I guess we can uh, start wrapping it up. So, uh, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thanks for joining us uh, on our interview with the director, writer, and star of the movie. (coughs) Sorry. Uh, You're still uh, still recovering from COVID. Yeah, sorry. The movie Follow Her. Um, Join us next time when we have something completely different for you.